The following is a conversation between Carly Fiorina, founder of the Unlocking Potential Foundation, and Denver Frederick, the host of The Business of Giving. In a time of crisis, great leadership is the one indispensable. This is particularly important in the nonprofit sector with so many organizations serving on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic and others fighting for their very survival. Who better to discuss this with than Carly Fiorina? Not only a great leader in her own right, but dedicated to developing exceptional leaders in the social sector through the organization she founded, the Unlocking Potential Foundation. Welcome back to the Business of Giving, Carly. Thank you so much, Denver, for having me. It's great to be back, even though these are very difficult times. They sure are. Well, let me begin with this. In order to move from panic to progress and from paralysis to problem solving, what does a leader need to do? Well, the first thing a leader needs to do to move from paralysis to progress is to confront their fears. You know, one of the things you and I have spoken a lot about, I talk a lot about it in our leadership labs with nonprofits, I speak a lot about it in our digital curriculum. In order to unlock your potential as a leader, you must have courage. But courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is confronting fear. And it's particularly important in times of crisis because let's face it, we're all afraid of a lot of things. I've had a lot of practice overcoming fear and I've learned through that practice that the first thing you have to do is literally say out loud, name your fear. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my job. I'm afraid I'm gonna lose my whole nonprofit. I'm afraid I can't serve. Whatever your fears are, say them out loud and then take the time to say, what is the worst thing that can happen here? Don't flinch, don't look away, look at it, contemplate it, understand it. And then ask yourself, what's the best thing that can happen here? What I've learned through practice in good times and in bad, personal crises and professional crises, organizational crises, is if we will confront our fears, if we will actually contemplate the worst that can happen, then we can begin the important step of planning how to make sure it doesn't happen. And if we can actually lift our sights a bit and think about well, what's the best that could happen here, maybe I will actually increase the loyalty of my donors because they'll understand how important our work is. Then you can start to say, how do I increase the probability of that best thing happening. Mm. The most difficult thing in a crisis is paralysis and fear. And leadership is a catalyst to get people over that. But first, a leader has to deal with their own fears, their own worst case, so that they can help others do the same. Very good counsel. And I can even hear with that best case, a little dose of optimism might come into your heart. And if you can exude that, you can have others follow you. Well, talk about that planning. How should boards and CEOs go about it when there is such uncertainty? We don't know anything about this virus, how long it's going to last, whether it's going to come back, whether we get a vaccine. How do you behave and act in a climate of such ambiguity? Well, you're right. There is huge ambiguity. And of course, we have never lived through a global pandemic. At least most of us haven't. And yet, the thing is, every crisis presents us with this huge ambiguity. So whether it was 9-11 or SARS or the financial crisis or 
you know, the dot-com bust and the technology recession. Every time one of those crises hit, it was like, oh my gosh, we didn't expect this. That's the thing about crises, you don't expect them. And because they're unexpected, it's cloudy, it's murky. And yet, and yet, all the things that an organization was planning for in the future need to be perhaps re-examined, but they should not be discarded. If you were focused on serving a particular group of people before the pandemic, the truth is serving that particular group of people is even more important during and after the pandemic. If you were trying to convince your donors that the work you do is critical and needs their support, well, it's even more critical now and needs their support even more. In other words, it's critically important during a crisis, despite all the near-term fog and ambiguity, to remember what are you there to do? What is your purpose? What is your mission? Because that purpose and that mission are just as valid now, in fact, perhaps more valid. And whatever you had hoped to be doing six months or 12 months from now, perhaps the timeframes need to be readjusted. Maybe the goals aren't quite right. But if you thought it was important before this, it's still important. And so you have to keep moving towards that, despite the current ambiguity. Now, one more thing, Deborah, just to be complete, of course, you have to deal with the current moment. So that means some organizations are facing an existential threat. Mm -hmm. You must deal with that. Do you have to furlough employees? Do you have to cut employees' pay? Do you have to lean more on volunteers? Do you have to even be more aggressive with your donors? You have to deal with what's right in front of you, but you cannot forget what was important to you before this happened. Absolutely, and it would seem also, if you recommit to that mission in a very deep way, it's gonna give you the courage to ask people to support you and give you financial help. Because you're always thinking, you know, my board's having problems, they have their, but this is a time you really have to say, this is what we do and we need you more than ever before. That's right. And oh, by the way, here's one of the things that happens in a crisis like this. People crave connection, Mm -hmm. crave purpose. They crave contribution, maybe more so than ever. And so actually, I've counseled many nonprofits say, don't be embarrassed about asking your donors for help. Actually, reach out to them. If anything, your appeal will resonate more deeply with them now. They gave to you before because they think you mattered. Now, perhaps they will give to you because they realize they matter. Yeah, yeah. Carly, how can the board chair, and by extension, the full board, support the CEO during a time like this and also, what questions would you be asking, or what, what, what questions should the board be asking the CEO at this moment? So I do serve as on the board of a large nonprofit here in Virginia, the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation. And of course, uh, this is an organization that is going through what most nonprofits are. I mean, we're fortunate we have a rather large endowment, but that endowment has been under strain. So first, the first question is to say, model various scenarios. This is a little bit like, you know, imagine the worst case, imagine the best case. Take the discipline and the time to model some scenarios. What happens if we are able to reopen May 1? Well, that blew by. July 1, September 1. What does it mean 
if we cut our employees' pay 10%, 20%, 30% versus furloughing them. In other words, you need to create some scenarios so that you can understand the sensitivity of various actions to the longevity and health of your organization. What's critically important is that an organization survive this. Yes. And that means, of course, that some very difficult decisions need to be made. But it's easier to make those difficult decisions when you've gamed out some scenarios, as opposed to just saying, the only option I have available to me is X. There's always more than one option available, always. Yeah. And that's what a lot of CEOs I've spoken to in the last couple of weeks are having trouble with. You know, they're not hard-nosed business people. They're not ruthless. They are having such a difficult time either cutting programs or cutting people. And from what you say, it just seems that you, you have to have an idea and a plan for doing it because if you let it linger too long, you just may not make it. Yes. And l- let me just say, it's hard to lay people off. I don't care whether you're in a business or a nonprofit. I've had to do too much of it in some ways. It's never easy. It's never easy. On the other hand, a CEO's job, a board's job, is to preserve the institution. And so sometimes very difficult decisions need to be made that hurt some to preserve others and options going forward. Having said all that, think about it as when you're making those really difficult decisions, keep your future in mind because you're gonna make better decisions in the present. Let me give you an example. If you have to furlough employees, how you do it matters tremendously. Mm -hmm. Do you, for example, offer them a pay cut first, an opportunity to do different work, an opportunity to stay on as a volunteer? Do you continue to pay their health care benefits? How you do things can strengthen people's loyalty to you or destroy people's loyalty to you. Do you stay in communication with them? even if they have left your payroll temporarily? Are you taking advantage of all these loan programs? I mean, there are a lot of really interesting loan programs available in the CARES Act for nonprofits to help them get money to keep people on the payroll during this period of time. So get creative and inventive and remember that it's in your interest to maintain people's loyalty to your organization and dedication to your mission. And therefore, how you do things matters as much as what you do. Absolutely. Carly, do you have a sense of how the fundamental nature of work and how organizations get things done is going to change as a result of this pandemic? Well, I do think uh, certain trends have been accelerated. Telemedicine is the obvious one. Telemedicine Mm -hmm. was, you know, 15% of doctor visits. Obviously, that trend has accelerated, and we're now seeing the tremendous benefit of that. You know, maybe telemedicine is a way of starting to level the inequities in access to healthcare, if we think about it imaginatively and creatively. And certainly telework, all of a sudden, you know, all of us are Zooming and we're teleworking and we're figuring out, you know, it's not the same, but it, it works okay. Yeah, exactly. And yet, and yet, people do crave connection. And so I think the next step will be for us to be uh, thoughtful in our organizations and creative as well about which tools work best for which circumstances. 
there are some times when a face-to-face -face is actually the best if you're going to have a very tough conversation or you need a really creative brainstorming. But there are other times when technology is going to work great. And certainly what it says is that all of us have the opportunity to be more flexible in our work lives, which should help us achieve, if we're smart, better work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Have you had a chance to think about the impact that COVID-19 will have on the entire sector? First, as it pertains to how philanthropic organizations are going to go about their giving, and then how nonprofits are going to have to operate in the future. Well, you know, Denver, we were chatting a little bit about this before we went on air. I hope that one of the lasting lessons of COVID is that we are all connected. Mm -hmm. And that out of sight cannot mean out of mind. And that those who are less fortunate need our help, not just because we feel philanthropically inclined, but because it's in our enlightened self-interest to lift everyone up. And if that is one of the lasting lessons that comes out of this, and if we all strive to remind ourselves and others of it, then I think we could see a situation where actually charitable organizations will blossom. And people will say to themselves, you know what? I never thought about giving money to a homeless organization, but now I'm really going to because I understand it differently. I never perhaps would have thought to give to an organization that helps with migrant workers, but now I'm going to think about it differently because I realize that all these migrant workers who we consider illegal, we also consider essential to get our food to our table every day. So I do think during these very dark times, uh, people could emerge from this and say, we must lift up those who are less fortunate. And therefore, we must help the organizations in our communities that spend their time and energy doing so. Absolutely, a real change of mindset. Finally, Carly, we have all learned the virtue of preparation as a result of this pandemic, and that would also include being prepared with the tools needed to be a leader so you're able to step up and meet a challenge when a crisis like this comes along. This is precisely what the Unlocking Potential Foundation does. Tell us about it, including the very important development that this content can now be accessed virtually. Well, thanks, Denver, for the softball, but I'm really delighted. You know, it's you and I have talked before about the fact that when times are good, when times are easy, and let's face it, we've been living through, relatively speaking, pretty good times for a long time. Oh. It's easy to forget what leadership is. It's easy to sort of convince ourselves, well, you know, it's whoever has a big title or they're famous or they're popular or they're influential or they're rich, that's a leader. And then a bad time hits and we, we can see actually what leadership is. And it's not position or title or fame or wealth, but we can also see how important it is. A leader amplifies impact. A leader makes certain that energy and resources and time spent are magnified for positive good. And without leadership, what happens? We give into fear and frustration and finger pointing and wasted energy and time. And we see it playing out right in front of us. And so leadership is vital. Unlocking Potential Foundation was founded to develop leaders in our nonprofits around this country. Because I believe anyone is capable of leadership and we need leadership so much more than ever because leaders solve problems. And so we 
focus all of our time and energy and the considerable talent of our staff on lifting up leaders in nonprofits. We took all of that learning and developed a digital course. It's called Unlocking Your Potential. It's available today on carlyfiorina.com. Trust me, anyone is capable of leadership. It takes real skill, it takes real practice, it takes real discipline, but it relies on fundamental qualities that each of us as people have if we will hone them, master them, and then use them, particularly in a crisis. And so we're really proud of this digital curriculum. There are tools that I've used as a leader for many decades. There are practice exercise, there are traits, there are characteristics. Learn to lead, choose to lead. And again, go on to carlyfiorina.com to access Unlocking Your Potential in digital form. This could not come along at a better time, Carly. I know how busy and in demand you are, and I just wanted to let you know how grateful I am to you for taking the time to share all of this with us today. Thanks and be well, Carly. Thank you, Denver, and thank you for all you do, and be well also.